This is Royals General Manager Dayton. My wife Mary Ann and I started CU in the Major Leagues in 2014. We did so simply as a way to give back to Kansas City. Because of our generous supporters, we've been able to grant more than $1 million to more than 60 organizations. If you're one of our supporters, I say thank you. If you're not, but you'd like to be one, please visit CUInTheMajorLeagues.org or simply click on the link in the show's notes. Welcome to the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dayton Moore's See You in the Major Leagues Foundation. Each episode of C10 brings inspiring, thought-provoking, and educational conversations with Kansas City area community-minded individuals. We dive into leadership and mentoring and how those can look for each of us in our own communities. And now, on with the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast. Welcome to this week's C10 Conversation. I'm Matt Folks. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to click the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And wanting you to be a good friend and good family member, please share this with your family and friends. Hey, if you are a longtime Kansas City resident like me, and when I say long time, I suppose I mean, you know, you're here at least in the 70s and 80s and, and even 90s. You likely remember a movie theater inside Crown Center. It, it wasn't huge inside. And in, in fact... <laughs> It's what I would call cozy uh, from what I remember. But in 2007, after the movie theater closed and Crown Center renovated the space, they approached Musical Theater Heritage, which had been producing shows since 2003 on a loading dock. Uh, They talked to him about moving there. That was a great move for all as nearly 50,000 people see shows at MTH each year in that renovated 244-seat theater, as well as a couple other spaces that uh, MTH has there at Crown Center. But they do much more than shows, and we'll get into that here today, because joining us is someone who helped market those loading dock shows, and now is the executive director of Musical Theater Heritage, Chad Gurlt. I just wanted to say, it's a fun last name to say. How are are you today, Chad? Hey, everybody. Uh, Yeah, Chad Gurlt's like a Gurlt cheese sandwich. Okay, so we are going to cover a lot in the next 25 minutes or so with Chad, but Chad, we do like to start these conversations with a little quick hit segment that we call pregame batting practice. A few questions just kind of lead us off this week. So here we go. Question number one, my mentor growing up was. Probably going back to my, my teenage years, I would say teenage years, early twenties, a guy, I don't have any siblings. And so uh, a, a friend of mine that really helped me figure out the path that I wanted to go in life. And, and I used to get upset about, things back in my teenage years as all teenagers do and this guy was older than me and his name is john brown i know it sounds like a generic name but he's uh he was like an older brother to me and he was a guy that taught me not only to be spontaneous but also to surround yourself with people that you like and that guy was the epitome of cool i looked up to him all everybody liked him and he's still a great guy today, and we're still really good friends, and I still consider him my older brother. So That's awesome. All right, question number two. My favorite baseball player of all time is? But the thing that just jumped out in my mind just now when you ask that question, and that's what you got to do when you're in improv, is you got to go with the first thing that pops in your mind. Eric Hosmer uh, against the Mets. That, without a doubt, was the best most amazing play I'd ever seen in my whole life. And so I'm going to have to go with Eric Hosmer. Yeah. Well, I mean, that took a lot of guts to, to, to take off on a ball. That's 
just a few feet from you. I mean, this timing was perfect and it, it yeah. all worked out. So no, that's, that's, that's going to go down. I think is one of the best Royals plays of all time. I and mean, we're sitting here 20, 30 years from now. So very good. Yeah. Question number three, the last book I read was. Well, right now I'm, I'm actually reading a book called nonprofit fundraising. One of one. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> Everything like this, you, you try to, you try to keep growing and, you know, you read stuff and you join blogs and listen to podcasts and stuff like that. So every little bit helps. You always get something good. Another one that I really liked uh, a lot was Dave Ramsey's Entree Leadership, which is a really good book, too. I highly recommend that one. Cool. I'll have to check that one out. Question number four, if I could meet one person in history, it would be? You know, I, I, <clears throat> I don't know if I can answer that. But again, the thing that popped in my head right now is it's kind of a similar question to that. And that would be like, what would be the greatest concert you could ever see if you ever could see a concert? Yeah. And so, and this kind of goes along with meeting somebody, although I wouldn't actually meet them if I were to go see them, but I always thought it'd be really, really cool if you could go see the Rat Pack in Vegas, the actual Rat Pack. So, so maybe, I mean, if you're talking about meeting somebody, maybe you are yeah. there to watch them because you've just met them and, they invite you to the show. Yep. So do you have a favorite member of the Rat Pack? You know, Frank Sinatra, man. He's just uh, the epitome of cool. Can't, can't go wrong with Frank. Tell me about 17-year-old Chad Girl. 17-year-old Chad Girl. He's at Rockhurst High School. I went to Rockhurst, class of 1990. I started getting into involved in theater, believe it or not, in high school. I know it's hard to believe, but I wasn't the most popular kid in high school. And so, you know, when you're, when you're in those teenage years, you're trying to find your tribe, so to speak, and you're trying to make your way and figure things out. And, and so I started doing shows at Rockhurst. I, it actually goes back to the eighth grade. My very first show was uh, The Sound of Music. And that was at Notre Dame Dacian High School. And um, I was in the eighth grade, believe it or not, but they came to my elementary school where I was an eighth grader and uh, at St. Thomas More, and they asked um, if I would audition to be in The Sound of Music. And so I did, and I got the part. I, 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 it came down, I was going to be one of the kids, but I was too tall, and I was definitely too skinny. And my voice wasn't much um, different than it is today. I'm still kind of waiting for that to happen for my voice to change, but I've always had kind of a high voice, but anyway, they cast me as Admiral Von Schreiber and the priest that married the Von Trapps. And so in one scene, I'm a German Nazi with a high pitched voice. And in the next scene, I'm, I'm the priest marrying the Von Trapp family. So uh, I kind of hammed it up a couple of different parts in that show and, and that kind of stuck. And, and so I decided to do more shows at Rockers once I started going to Rockers, but uh, yeah, that was fun. What was really great about the thing about being an eighth grader going to that show is there is a sophomore uh, girl that was in that show. It was really cute. And she asked me to the Sadie Hawkins dance um, after that show was over with. And so I uh, gladly accepted her invitation and that was a lot of fun too. That's awesome. So you had mentioned Macaroni Grill and graduating from Rockhurst in 1990. So that leads me to this, before we 
come up to present day and, and really get into the leadership piece and, and, and whatnot, I do need to ask you about something that I did see on your LinkedIn profile from 1990 to 2002, 13 years. You're listed as a singing waiter at Macaroni Grill. So is that true or are you just trying to impress us? <laughs> that is true. That is true. I sang, uh, I sang every day, every day at the Macaroni Grill, um, probably six or eight shifts a week there. I can't tell you how many times I've sung Tante Agore Ate, a happy birthday song. <laughs> and then I also sang Broadway show tunes too. So that was really nice. my stick was singing Broadway show tunes at the Macaroni Grill. Very yeah. good. Around that same time, George Harder founded MTH in 1997, and you joined him in 2003 to kick off the live production piece of musical theater heritage. How did all that come to be? Well, what's funny is I had actually gone after when I was a singing waiter at the Macaroni Grill, I, a girl broke my heart and I ended up moving to LA to pursue voiceover work in Los Angeles. And, uh, and so I was out there singing at the Macaroni Grills out there for a while too. But my best buddy, Nathan Grater, I don't know if you've ever met him, but he sang opera at the Macaroni Grill. He got cast as one of the American tenors. And then he got, he was on the path to, you know, being famous with that when 9-11 happened. And so they had recorded a huge um, American tenors thing at the Kodak Center in Los Angeles. And and it was awesome. And it was about to be released. They had all kinds of interviews lined up. When 9-11 happened, all those interviews for Nathan and everything got shut down. Mm -hmm. And so that portion of his career kind of took a little bit of a hi hiatus but he teamed up with George Harder from the A Night on the Town radio series, which celebrates the 100-year history of the American musical. And so George is based here out of Kansas City, but he created Musical Theater Heritage as a way to carry his weekly radio show to stations all around the country. And so Nathan teamed up with George to produce locally these little opera events um, here and there including at Le Fou Frogs, some restaurants. They, mm -hmm. they also did a couple of performances at this place called the Belger Arts Center, which is at 1800. And is it Wyandotte? I think it's Wyandotte. Mm -hmm. And so anyhow, they've been doing these little things and they thought, okay, well, let's, let's create musical theater heritage as this vehicle. And so Nathan called me after I've been in LA for about five years. And he said, Chad, you got to move back home. You know, I'm working with George Harder now. I'm like, really, George? From the night on the town, I said, yeah, it's super cool, man. You got to move back. And I said, well, I, I want to, but I don't want to be a singing waiter anymore. And, and he says, no, come work for us. Come work for us. So I moved back. So fast forward just a couple months later, and we're sitting around the office, and we're talking about all these little opera events that we've been doing and talking about George's radio show. And I, I said, well, why are we called musical theater heritage and we're doing these little opera events around Kansas city. And we've got this radio show. That's all about Broadway, which is what my passion is. I love Broadway music. Mm -hmm. So we decided, Hey, let's do a one hour version of a musical live on KXTR radio. And so we decided to do Leonard Bernstein's on the town live on KXTR radio. And George was going to invite his audience on his local channels. 
on KXTR. Nathan and I, we know all the musicians and the performers. And uh, my buddy, John Heilman, uh, ran a music store. So he had all the PA equipment and all that stuff. And so we had five rehearsals to get Leonard Bernstein's On the Town ready for a live audience. We had no idea how many people were going to show up. We got no licensing in place. We didn't have the rights or the permission to do it. We were totally illegal, but we did it. And that night, 175 people showed up to watch us do Leonard Bernstein's On the Town. And uh, George did the continuity. You know, you can't do a two-hour show in a one-hour segment. So he kind of cut it down. We did a lot of the songs and a little bit of the dialogue between each song. And uh, Nathan was in it. I was in it. All of our friends were in it. And it was so much fun. And people said, you just got to keep doing this. And so that's what we did for, for several years at the Belger before we outgrew it. On the loading dock. On that loading dock, that train car loading dock. That's awesome. I'm, I'm assuming then a few years later that the, the Crown Center offer was, was really too good to pass up by that point. Absolutely. They had approached us in 2006. This is after doing three seasons at the Belger. Nathan had kind of moved on at this point. He was our first artistic director. They pulled George and I aside and they said, well, we're thinking about converting these movie theaters into a live venue. You would share it with other theater companies and other presentations. Um, but, you know, we'd like you to do your shows here. Would, are you interested? And we said, absolutely. So so we did that. We shared the space with other theaters like EGAD's Theater and Spinning Tree and a few others. And, and we grew our audience MTH, Musical Theater Heritage, grew our audience uh, big time. And one of the things that I really was committed to doing when we were down there was down the hall. And I don't know if you remember this, but down the hall was the American Heartland Theater, which was oh, yeah. quite as big as that space. And so I would go down there on my nights off. We weren't even doing a show. Some other theater company would be in the off-center theater, which is the venue that they had created. Um, but I would go down there anyway, and I would wait for the American Heartland Theater audience to get out. And uh, they would come out of the theater, and they'd walk down towards our theater, and I'd be there with a stack of uh, flyers, like little business card size flyers, double business card size flyers. And they'd look up at the sign, they'd look in our window, and I'd be standing there and be like, you have any questions? You know what this is now? They're like, is this the theater or is this the movie theater? I'm like, no, this is a live theater now. And and so I, I'd always say, you want a tour? And I'm like, yeah. And so I'd unlock the door and I'd take them in and I'd give them a tour. And they're like, wow, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this was here. And so I did that for years and years and just gave people tours of the theater. And, and that's kind of how we really started growing and needing more and more dates. And we kind of became the the, the 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 leading company there at the off center theater well obviously you were were great at marketing and became the executive director and you were that for a number of years still are but also president and ceo which which happened a couple of years ago but well the president and ceo i kind of backed down from a little bit um when george norton who's a good buddy of yours he joined uh the board and we're really retool we retooled the board quite a bit this last year and and we decided that George needs to be the president of the board. You can't really have two presidents. So I am the executive director 
of uh, development and special events. And so I have all the relationships with, uh, with Crown Center uh, and the renters and that side of things. And then, um, and then we've got some other uh, uh, leaders. Uh, Tim Scott is the executive artistic director. He does an incredible job with our productions. And so we kind of, he doesn't need me to babysit him on that stuff. And Carly Lee uh, is executive director of finance. And so we kind of have a three-tiered prong now because one of the things that we really want to do is we want MTH to be around for 75 years. And George Norton is actually one of our mentors in the C10 program. And I think he is he is an awesome person for both organizations. But before all those changes, what was most challenging for you early in your leadership journey? We started growing seriously fast. Uh, beginning in 2015, when we moved into that facility full time, and those other theater companies had other had either uh, closed shop or found other venues to perform at. And so, from 2015 to 2019, we grew very, very quickly. Um, we added staff very, very quickly. We went from 15,000 annual visitors in 2015. And uh, we got up to 56,000 visitors by 2019. Mm. So we went from 15,000 visitors to 56,000 visitors. And so we were growing quite, quite quickly. And the thing that would, I would reflect on at this moment and say that we grew so fast that, that we started just piling on um, staff and I wasn't able to manage it the mm. way I should have. Uh, luckily, we had a really great team. We have a really great team still, but we went from over 30 people um, at the beginning of 2020 and uh, after the virus hit, and uh, we went down to three there for a little while. We're back up to seven now, but but moving forward, it's it's really going to be all of this kind of taking up our own our own divisions and managing rather than me trying to manage all the divisions, mm-hmm. um, dividing that up amongst people and giving them ownership of those divisions and allowing them to run those divisions the way that they need to be run. To go from 56,000 people in 2019 to just a, a fraction of that last year with COVID hitting, as we record this, COVID hitting almost, it's almost been exactly a year when when everything kind of shut down, how did you guys navigate through that? We actually kind of, I got a heads up from Mark Edelman with theater league, actually when the virus was starting to kind of come around, he's a, he's another kind of a mentor of mine. Cause he, mm-hmm. he brings in all those Broadway shows to Kansas city and um, other cities around the country. And so theater league is also one of our biggest sponsors. And so, and he actually said, Chad, you need to, you need to, take this virus a little bit seriously because I, there's a chance that theaters might actually be shut down for a time. And so um, we had another board member at that time, Richard Ward, who was kind of mentoring me as well. He suggested that we come up with an eight week plan, emergency plan, where we just basically go down to the nitty, nitty, nitty gritty um, with our theater company. And so we did that. We came up it went, it was week to week to week, an eight week plan. We came up with it. Um, Tim Scott and I and Carly and 
uh, a few other key members came up with this really great plan and, and we stuck to it. And we not only found that we could make it eight weeks, but we found that we could make it a lot longer than that too. And luckily, I mean, as you know, the, the eight week uh, flatten the curve window turned into months and months and months of flatten the curve. And we were very luckily, very fortunate in the fact that a lot of funders like Mark Edelman um, and others stepped up to the plate and increased their giving quite a bit and they had our back. But yeah, that's what we did. In fact, we're still kind of doing a week to week plan. We're kind of waning off of it a little bit because we don't need that week to week plan any longer. It was a cash flow, a weekly cash flow plan. But uh, we put it all out on paper and we figured out what every single last expense was and every single last proposed bit of income was going to be. And we looked at that very hard and, and it helped us. Well, and you've done several virtual shows. For you guys, as we look to 2021, I say as we look to 2021, it's hard to believe we're, we're into the third month of this year. But as you look ahead, uh, what live shows are you going to be able to do? And, and how does maybe the second half of the year uh, look for you guys? Because of the mandate, we're, they, they say we can, we can fully open, but you, you can fully open only if you have six feet of distancing between parties. And so um, obviously that's a problem inside of a theater where you've got seats right next to each other. So basically what that means for us is every other row is, is where we can have people. And then you have to have three empty seats in between groups. Um, and so that means it's <clears throat> we're still limited to about 33% capacity. We'd hoped to be able to do some MTH productions out on the rooftop of the West End, but that's um, kind of turned uh, problematic um, for the MTH productions because um, we're also sharing that space with uh, Quixotic Theater, uh, who's a, another theater company that we've partnered with uh, last year where we were able to do some summertime rooftop performances mm -hmm. there's. So we've got some uh, performances of Quixotic that are happening April 15th through May 29th. That's probably, um, I don't know if I can officially announce that, which I just did. Uh, everybody keep your trap shut. And that's not official yet, but that's what it's looking like. And then we're hoping to do music of the night out on the roof, but I just don't think that that is going to happen. So Tim Scott, our executive artistic director, is looking at some alternate Potential outdoor uh, places, if not, we'll have to turn that into a virtual show. But the following show um, that we're doing is um, Blame It on the Boogie, and that'll be June 3rd through the 20th. And that will be indoors upstairs at the at the old American Heartland Theater, which can seat 450 seats. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're hoping to be able to get that show in there. After that, we've got Hair in August and Camelot in October and Company in November. And then, of course, our uh, spectacular Christmas show. And we're hoping to have a majority of those shows back at the MTH Theater um, in late in 2021. Very cool. I do encourage you to go to the website, sign up for the newsletter. You can keep in touch with uh, all that they have going on. But it's musicaltheaterheritage.com. You know, we're looking at some ways to partner from a C10 perspective with you guys. And I'm really excited about some things that we're going to be able to do. and. You've also come to a couple see in the major leagues events and and yeah. support what we're doing. What what is it about see in the major leagues and 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 what we have going on that for you as a supporter is is something that you can get behind? Kind of going back to that story about me being 17 years old and trying to find my way and find my tribe. You know, I love kids. I absolutely love kids. I didn't get married until late in life. Mm -hmm. And so um I don't have any 
uh, kids of my own that I know of. And so, but I do, I do love kids and, and we have our own education outreach programs at musical theater heritage that, that help underserved kids or families that are financially burdened um, to be able to help get their kids to attend these camps. And so um, one thing I love about seeing you in the major leagues is you're doing that, you're doing that same thing and you're helping kids find their tribe, so to speak, and to find mentors and to be able to participate in things that they're not normally exposed to or able to be exposed to because of this reason or that reason. So it's all about how can we help kids and how can we partner with each other and not only just organization wise, but how can we partner you know, with resources and, uh, and ways to get things done. You know, you had referenced a second ago, 17 year old Chad. So what would you tell 17 year old Chad today? I would say start reading the Bible a little bit earlier. You know, when I met John, it was a little bit later in life about, you know, finding the right friends or whatever, but mm-hmm. just 17 years old, there's so many people that say mean things and don't listen to them. They're full of it. You don't have to believe any of it. And most important thing, don't hang around with people that, that you don't want to be like. So if you, if you don't think that your friends, 17-year-old Chad or whoever, if you don't think your friends are the type of people you want to be like or grow up to be like, stop hanging around them. Start, hang, start hanging around people that you do admire. Start hanging around people who you want to be like or, or what kind of life you see in them that you want to have yourself. Start hanging around with those people, and that's huge. Very good. Well, that was a perfect way to end this. Chad, thank you so much for your time this week. The website, musicaltheaterheritage.com, and that's theater, E-R, not R-E, as sometimes we see, but it's musicaltheaterheritage.com, and you can uh, find about upcoming shows. You can find it about some of the camps that they have going on for kids as well as uh, sign up for a newsletter. So Chad, thank you so much for that. Hey Matt, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. Well, that does it for this episode of the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we hope that you'll leave a favorable review on your favorite podcast platform. If you didn't enjoy it or you have other comments or suggestions for potential guests, you can click on the comment link in the show's notes. We drop a new episode at the end of every week, but be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an interview. And if you or your company would like to help underwrite this podcast, let me know. Until next time, this is Matt Folks for the See You in the Major Leagues Foundation saying be safe and take care. <laughs>